Episode 7. Alright. Quantum mechanics. Quantum mechanics may also be known as wave mechanical models or matrix mechanics and includes quantum field theory. It's a flexible toolbox of mathematical techniques based on eigenvectors and eigenvalues in Hilbert space. This toolbox is critical for a wide range of behavior predictions and relationship developments in most natural sciences and engineering. It would not be an exaggeration to say that without a strong basis in quantum mechanics, a researcher would be completely unprepared to respond quantitatively to his or her chosen phenomena of study. Mathematical Insights and Practical Applications Internal Report RK4023.444-1345 Singh A. Engineers Parallel piping systems routed from the living quarters to the wastewater treatment plant under tertiary treatment systems were completed on schedule. Due to the lack of evaporation and the closed-loop nature of the plant itself, we can assume a 99% recovery. Charge water for the system should come from raw material mined at the surface. Preliminary geotech indicates high instances of olivine and methane hydrate. The pressure system from our vacuum airlock may be high enough to pull the hydrates out of the rock. However, pilot tests will be needed to determine this method's effectiveness. An alternative method would be to use current wastewater levels as the charge water. However, this is dependent on consistent solar radiation prior to the activation of the fusion reactor. After fusion, we can build a pressure vessel to correct any deficiencies in either the airlock or recycle method if necessary. However, preliminary estimates indicate that some additional water after the initial charge to the system from ship systems will be required. More to follow on that in a subsequent report. Heating and cooling systems can initially be based on geothermal heat pump in the event that solar radiation is unreliable or insufficient for all industrial and preparatory power needs. We've seen an increase in power consumption of over 24%, which is significantly higher than our initial estimates as we've started preparing for colonization. As a result, we'll need to bring the fusion reactor online several weeks ahead of current schedule to meet construction and deadlines. I looked at my piping system diagram. The sheer volume of power and water we'd become used to was astonishing. Including the industrial activities, our little crew was consuming more than 100 gallons per person per day. Once the greenhouse went online, that would increase by another 10 to 15 percent. I was in the bowels of the ship, here in the algal factory where we could produce biodiesel for our tools, exoskeletons, and land rovers, genetically engineered cleaning colonies to scrub wastewater and generate internal residential power systems and even food, all from the little green jars of goop staring back at me from their racks and lit banks. Today, however, something was wrong. The little guy's tanks weren't flowing. The oil produced from each type needed to be decanted, and that water fed to the breeding tanks for the scrubber colony. The line was clogged, or maybe broken. And because some genius had decided to hide all the internal plumbing systems in the air conditioning conduit, I was currently pulling off panels one by one, removing the flexible water lines, opening and closing the tiny valves at the junction points, and squishing my fingers around in the gunk before putting each one back and testing another. So far all the valves were working, and the lines were as clean as they should be. But there was only another 2,000 to go. I sighed. Hey. Michael's voice rang down the well. Are you in here? The algal tanks were at the bottom of the ship, with a single hatch leading into the octagonal room. Part of it was lit for the diesel bugs, while the other was in deep darkness for the wastewater critters. On the other side of a panel, there was the wastewater processing room, where I was currently bed over, hands full of gunk. Yes, I called back. Over in wastewater. We have a broken valve somewhere, I think. He grunted. Test it on the SCADA. Why are you doing it by hand? Thank you, Captain Obvious. Why, whatever would I do without you? I was frowning, even though he couldn't see it. My poor lady brain was just all discombobulated, and I didn't know what to do until a big strong man came to save me. Every time I talked to this man, I got irritated and snippy and sarcastic. It was a deep character flaw, what can I say? Of course I tested it with the SCADA. Mick has some programming futz going on, and I can't see any of the internal systems, just the tank levels. So, that sounds like a Mick problem. I need you to go out with me and scout for a geothermal location to test. He sounded tired and impatient. Fortunately, I didn't care, just because he had the most wonderful hands. It's a mick problem until your toilet's back up and we no longer have drinking water. I shrugged before I remembered he couldn't see me. 
And if the water isn't flowing, we don't have air conditioning or heat, just so you know. A long, long sigh came back to me. Fine. Need any help? Be nice, I told myself. Really try this time. Sure, come on down. A couple grunts later, the long, cold beam of a headlamp shone down. Why are you in the dark? Stupid question, I thought. Because the bugs like the dark. Another pause. Would it kill them for us to turn on the light to at least find the leak? Aren't you kind of making this harder than it has to be? I felt a blush rise up. He was right. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose if you really want to see what you're doing, the bugs wouldn't mind a couple of hours. Cool white light lit up the room, and I blinked in surprise. Oh, that's much better. Why didn't I think of that? Fortunately, he didn't say anything, just gave me a stupid look. Yeah, 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 whatever. Aren't you the smart one? I've finished all the panels on that wall. Come over here to the left and start on these. He moved across from me and started taking bits apart. It was soothing, nice even, to have someone to share the work with, almost homey with the small squeaks and scrapes happening behind me. Akasha, look, I'm sorry for before, for hurting you, for for not taking my meds, for, for everything. I just, well, there's no excuse. I'm so sorry. I didn't turn around. I just kept taking off the panels. He didn't seem to mind. Elise finally got me on some meds that work. I don't know why I was so afraid to take them before, but it's, it's better now, you know. A pause. I've never been in command before, you know. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I've always just been the specialist, the techie guy. Never had to lead or really understood what it meant to be in charge, and I gotta tell you, it's, it's awful. That's no excuse, I know, but I wanted you to know that I don't know how to deal with all this whatever we are, whatever this is, mission, life, thing. And you get under my skin all the time, for no reason. I mean, sometimes I think you do it on purpose, which is just nonsense, I know. He hurriedly shot out. Just every time I'm around you, I can't seem to make anything work, you know? It comes out all wrong. I didn't say anything for a while, and then... I do it on purpose. What? I push you on purpose. I shrugged. You suck at being in charge. You micromanage. You have unreasonable expectations of yourself and others, and you're too emotional. But mainly, I just like irritating you. I felt another blush starting. But it's different now. You're getting much better. When you relax and let us work with you instead of you trying to be Captain America, it, it works. It's You're good. But I like getting under your skin, and I, well, I may have some personal stuff to work out as well. There were no sounds coming from behind me. I didn't turn around, just pulled off another panel. As I did, a spurt of greenish-brackish water shot out in a baby torrent. Face and torso soaked, I laughed. Karma for irritating my captain on purpose. I turned to look at him, laughing, and he choked. I think I found the problem, sir. He chuckled. Here, let me get you a new valve. Hang on. He pulled his long frame up the ladder partway and dropped down with a new valve and gasket, and suddenly he was very, very close. Oh, hello. Face to face. His eyes were intense, and heat poured off him. I could feel it bouncing off my skin. His expression didn't change, but something in him did. I could feel him. Something very male. It was serious. I leaned back. He leaned in and sniffed. Mmm, you smell like fish sticks. He laughed with his eyes crinkling around the corners. Gasket and a new biosuit, anyone? I swiped it from him and turned to face the panel. How can you feel intensity from another person? I could feel that electricity all along my back, even though he was a good meter away. That male thing was wrapping around me, and it was very satisfying. Shut that down, please, I told him. Just because we were supposed to end up as colonists on this rock, he was too close. Too much, too whatever. He cleared his throat. Let me know when you're done and we'll go out to find the geothermal site. He paused at the stair. Akasha, I really am sorry. I knew he had reached out to touch me and stopped. 
Without looking, I could feel his hand hovering. I like having you around. I like knowing you're here. He turned to leave before I could answer. But me too was a whisper as he pulled himself out of the hatchway. The first day is always the worst. I know this. I was back in beautiful Chaos's quarters at the Catalan Embassy at Cygnus Orbital, just like a year ago. And just like a year ago, I didn't want to get up. I lay there, staring at the ceiling, feeling dull and broken. The thought of trying to do something or find something to wear exhausted me. Sleep seemed like the only real option. A year ago, almost to the day, I had gotten up, opened my bag, and realized that all I had were guild blues with a little silver brocade to show I was an engineer a uniform I wasn't allowed to wear anymore. Then I had burst into tears and sat shivering in the closet, shredding at my skin with my fingernails to try and control the emotional pain. But now I just lay here, feeling dull and broken. Michael is gone. How long until I end up like him? The thought floated up from somewhere. I let it pass through me. I felt the familiar ache of loss and sorrow. I felt shame. For what, I didn't know. But exhausted, I closed my eyes and drifted back to sleep. I felt another presence. Felt beautiful chaos, like breathing jasmine. Z was sitting next to me. Good morning, fractal in motion. Images of the atrium lit up with sunlight and the motion of the day came with it. I would like you to get up today. Another image, flavored with the scent of flowers and wind chimes, of a garden with my form sitting in one of the grottos flowed into me. I didn't open my eyes. I would rather sleep. I felt Zer hand and brushed my fingers over Zer. Almost, her fingers clenched almost convulsively at the contact, and Z let out a little hiss of referred pain. I understand fractal in motion, Z said, moving her fingers away from mine, gently but quickly. I tried not to feel hurt. But you need healing from the inside out something that I cannot help you with. Another flash of the garden and a dim memory of flying, joyful and free. Others can help you recover with this. I wasn't interested. It seemed like too much. The world was just too much. Why does everything have to hurt so much? I want to sleep, just fall asleep and never wake up. I felt Zer get up and drape clothing over me. Come, my friend is waiting for you. I opened my eyes. Zer's skin was a deep blue color. Concern, perhaps? For Zer, yes. A true friend who has saved me twice now. I can get up for chaos. Okay, I said on a deep sigh. I hauled my legs to the floor, pausing for a moment to adjust to verticality. Felt dizzy. The effort of moving made me feel like I was bleeding from an invisible wound. I gripped the bed as if we were on a moving ship and slowly worked to stand. Ugh. A deep yearning to go back to sleep washed over me. Standing had made me faint, and my heart changed rhythm uncomfortably. I whimpered a little. Beautiful chaos took a deep breath and slipped under my frame. I was so tall, Zer's shoulders barely came up to my ribs, but I could lean on Zer a little. Z made a whimper as well, as if Z felt my pain. Shut it down, Sing. Try and ease up a little so you don't hurt, sir. I thought, and focused on taking deep, deep breaths. It seemed to help. Z helped me dress, and together we staggered out into the embassy. The Cygnus space station was beautiful. The integrated life support system hung on a tungsten frame that slowly rotated with its parent star and was based completely on biological systems. As a result, plants and creatures roamed the halls, Hydroponics lined plexiglass support beams, and the gentle hiss of water was everywhere. The cats needed higher levels of relative humidity for homeostasis, so waterfalls dotted every floor, arranged like moving pieces of artwork. They aerated industrial and residential influence sources, as well as acted as the preliminary process for micro microbial treatment system responsible for radiation protection, mineralization, and health inoculations that fed into every portion of the station's anatomy through the water pipes that ran through the hydroponics and air supply. The result was a bright, lovely atrium filled with the smells and sounds of healthy, productive life forces. I could almost feel the air flowing into my soul. Another breath, better. 
Beautiful chaos guided me through long hallways until we stopped in a vaulted dodecahedron garden. Tea trees, herbals, edibles, soft flower smells all combined in an aura of profound peacefulness. And yes, there were wind chimes tinkling softly under the air recirculation patterns. Another cat was waiting for us. This one felt old, very old. Sitting on an uncomfortable-looking rock, Z turned slowly towards us. I could see Zer's scales were more silver than gold. Very old indeed. I'd never seen that before. Beautiful chaos deposited me on a rock and went to the old cat. Z knelt before Zer, held the hand, and started a very earnest conversation with the seated figure. The old one nodded and folded Zer hands on top of beautiful chaos's. Chaos went still and quiet, and Zer blue skin faded to a peachy gold. Z put her cheek on their folded hands and stood up, helping the old one to her feet. Fractal in motion, Z called to me. Come and meet my friend. I got up and moved to the cats. The old one was tiny, maybe a meter tall. I felt like a giant over Zer, huge and awkward and clumsy. The idea limped off my tongue, my accent rough and crude. Hearing it, I blushed a little. Good morning, friend of my friend, I stuttered out. It is honor to meet you. The old one's eyes narrowed as Z picked out my greeting and grasped my hand. And just like that, I was no longer standing in the garden. The old one's sending pulled me into empty space, black and cold, suddenly whipped into motion. Vibrations on the quantum scale that flexed and shifted the causality as space-time burst into a curled, flower-like, translucent, non-Euclidean shape. My perception was twisted into eleven dimensions, passing through vibrational frequencies as if I were the conductor of a symphony. Greetings, fractal in motion, Z said. My spirit child has had much to say about you and your experiences. A comforting smell of frankincense and cinnamon accompanied the inane image, which had left me a little breathless. It wasn't every day that your consciousness expanded to experience eleven dimensions simultaneous on a quantum level. Holy shit, and that's just Zer saying hello. I was impressed. There was a strength and depth to this one I'd never felt before. I bowed my head a little. Folded dimensions, hello. Like all truly profound experiences, dealing with folded dimensions was beyond words. We sat. That was it. No fireworks, no montage or flashy images. We sat. At least on the outside. I saw my thoughts pass like clouds in the sky, past boredom, past indecision, past sleepiness. I felt Zer hand, felt my breathing, but beyond that, I saw reality. Perceptions can be clouded. Senses are notoriously imprecise and illogical. Truth is easily confused and impossible to describe, especially when your emotions are involved. But sitting with folded dimensions, breathing, in a garden, I saw myself, a fractal in motion. All illusions, the pattern of my own cells, was the template of the universe. In my mind's eye, like the story of Rama, I looked down my throat and saw the galaxy within me, the truth, that we were all Rama, that all matter and energy were connected at the quantum level, that what we perceive as separate is nothing more than a curve in the design or a different color in the palette. I could feel myself reaching into the garden, feeling the sparks of life and death merged into a whole, the same as the cells in my skin, the movement of stars and planets, a fractal moving through scaling laws. I felt folded dimension breathe deep within me, felt affirmation from Zur, Wonder, beauty, freedom, sorrow, all wrapped up in a design template so deeply complex and stunningly simple, and waiting inside everything, everyone. One grain of sand, one person, one planet, all balanced in the template, all moving in the scale, repeated to infinity, and collapsed in on itself. I felt the fractal shift, saw myself within the pattern. It was so simple, I thought in wonder, so beautiful. Why did I ever need an external power source to do this? A breath, a heartbeat, a nudge here to the pattern and watch the ripples. Connections, all about the connections. A tiny movement of one atom could ripple forever into the template. Perception was effortless to change. Chemical compositions were the same at their heart. 
Everything was linked and webbed in internal interrelationships. I opened my eyes. Folded dimensions rumbled in their throat. Yes, 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 you see it now. Z stretched her tiny legs and leaned back against a rock. Change is easy, so effortless. The problem is determining the second and third order effects, the ripples. An image of a rock falling in a pool which formed a monsoon. Exchanging matter for energy, energy for matter, all this is nothing. Z looked at me. It is the consequence and the shift in the pattern that you have to accept. Ascending. It was Rigel 4. I was there. I could feel the stone under my feet, feel folded dimensions standing next to me. I was watching myself tear the planet. The other me was translucent, molded somewhere between a ghost and a rock outcropping. Folded dimensions watched the other me impassively as I compelled the forces of nature to pull people apart and jumpstart the planet. Screams of people and crushed machinery filled the air. Folded dimensions raised a finger and time stopped. There I was, a ghost, frozen in mid-murder. Observe, Z said, pointing to the other me and somehow superimposing the fractal topology of the planet's chemical signature into the physical events happening. You saw the pattern you wanted. You generated it out of your own consciousness. However, where are the other conscious patterns? You simply removed them. Doing so, you split your own nature. Do you see? Z showed me an image of my own self, topologically. There, in the base of my visual representation, was a schism, a mar in the design. Z plucked it from empty space and brought it to me. The mar was growing, spreading, repeating itself into another scale of the shape, like a demented living spiderweb of cancer. This is the danger. The second and third order effects will amplify the design, fundamentally changing the pattern. Z balled up the fractal and threw it into the air. It merged with a star above the scene. Every action, every non-action, every thought changes the pattern. Z turned back to the scene. You can force the pattern into a new shape, but it will ripple through space-time in ways impossible for even you to imagine. This time, Z cupped her hands and breathed into the space between them. And then, there I was, inside Zer's bent fingers, looking at the universe laid out in undulating impossible streams of light and color and sound, all bound by Zer's fingers. A maelstrom of sensation and patterns. But I recognized some of these patterns. Rigel Four's profile was tied into one set of repeating loops, loops characterized by suffering, anguish, death. Explorer Three echoed in the storm, with hints of fear, dissociation, joy. My own patterns building the templates and integrating those patterns into the fabric of place and stamping them into never-ending loops of similar experiences wherever patterns combined or interacted, ripples and eddies in the whirlwind that followed me everywhere I went. Every thought of every person and every interaction with any form of matter or energy left its own repeating loops, birthing new patterns where the lines intersected, where the vibrational frequencies amplified or dampened pattern groups. They spun off me like wisps of smoke, reaching into the great void touching other interactions, other patterns. It was incredible and impossible. Oh, I thought, so that's karma. A heartbeat, and I was standing next to Zur on Rigel again. Yes, Z said, because you can see these patterns, you can shape them to a greater extent, control the first order more easily. But even we can't see what the shape of the universe is after our actions. Z breathed out. Every time you change the pattern, pull it apart to suit your whims, you propagate damage ad infinitum. You stamp it with the shape of your own fears, desires, loss, yourself, and that becomes the shape of the universe. Your consciousness overriding all others, your suffering given to all things. Z looked at me seriously. This is why we do not change the pattern. It is for the compassion of other beings to allow organic growth. It's to prevent killing the diversity of the universe and bottlenecking the evolution of consciousness across the stars. I closed my eyes. 
responsibility, morality, rules. Something beautiful, something impossibly wonderful, something that I had seen only for good, was again warped, limited, bound by its own nature. I felt small and sad and alone. Folded dimensions made soothing noises. This is not to make you afraid or to kill your joy. Z threw her hands out to the fractal image. It is beautiful. It is wonder and truth and freedom. Just know you cannot know your own consequences and respect that. Z patted my hand. You are young. You can't help but change the pattern. Things tend to be either wonderful or terrible to young creatures. A small chuckle. I was young once, you know. See things as they are, fractal emotion, as they really are, for their true natures, and you will do well. A pause as he looked at the other me, still frozen in the middle of ripping apart the planet. Bah, so much pain for so young a creature. Z leaned on me, reaching up to grab my elbow. Yes, you will be fine. You know how to da- you know how damaging negative emotion and lack of control are. You must pay closer attention to detail. A simple thing for an engineer. Yes. Z clucked at me. I am tired. We should go home. I nodded. Between one heartbeat and the next, we were back in the garden. Beautiful chaos was anxiously sitting in front of us. As her skin was back to a deep sapphire color. Dimensions waves are off. Silly thing. I told you we would be a while. Her voice was rough-sounding and weak, though, and Chaos noticed. Old one, it has been days. I did not think you meant that long. A wordless burst of concern, irritation, impatience, and maybe jealousy rushed into me? Great. I could see into the very nature of the cosmos, but social interactions still escaped me and made me nervous. Damn it. Chaos turned to me, amused. You are concerned for my feelings. Well, duh, I thought irritably. You're the only friend I have left. Z tittered that odd chirping sound that was the Catalan equivalent of laughter, accompanied by the cinnamon smell of universal amusement. You did not have so much energy when last we talked. You must be feeling better. Chaos's skin faded to a light peachy gold as Z talked. I can see that your sense of humor has returned as well. I am much relieved. Any more time, and I would have had to take drastic measures. She seemed to soothe her conscience by touching me, running her fingers up and down my arm. I narrowed my eyes. I feel you are making fun of me. Both cats tittered again. Come, come, my human friend. We will take you around. We will make you healthy yet again. You need sunlight and tea. Chaos tilted her head towards dimensions and shoved me a little roughly towards the exit as dimensions headed the opposite direction. Bizarre people. Cat's obsession with tea. What did flavor water ever get us? My thought woke another titter of laughter from chaos and the departing folded dimensions. Dimensions paused briefly and clucked to get chaos's attention before Z left the garden as if something had occurred to Zer. Child, you can have fractal for some of the day, yes, but it needs to be here every day, in the afternoon. I am not done with it yet. The old one coughed and glared at me, a hint of tease in her voice. You are lucky I am not younger. You were getting off easy, little swimmer. Today was the pond, tomorrow is the ocean. I smelled cinnamon and copper. Oh dear. But I wasn't upset. I merely nodded. Folded dimensions had woken up something that I hadn't needed in a long time, but it was awake now. In my soul, I wanted to be sad. I wanted to grieve and pretend Michael's death was important, that it changed things somehow. But I couldn't. There was no point. Sadness bred sadness. Time to come back to the world. I don't have time for self-pity. There are things to do. Bayesian Inference and the Divergent Series Bayesian inference is a relatively simple method of statistical inference in which a hypothesis may be numerically updated as more information is added. This is particularly important for dynamic and complex systems studied in science, engineering, and medicine. 
In this text, however, we have placed it in the divergence series section in order to highlight the complexities of applying statistical tools to natural phenomena that may not have a finite limit or cohesive dimension. As divergence series do not converge and may not be definable by linear methods, geometrical means were developed to produce summation. From a practical sense, natural sciences need a normalization process to determine means in organic systems. Mathematical Insights and Practical Applications To straighten the crooked, you must first do a harder thing. Straighten yourself. You are your only master. Who else? Subdue yourself and discover your master. The Dhammapada Chaos had been shocked and appalled when I showed up with Speedy. Evidently Speedy was very young, and whatever they'd done to Zer was suitably horrifying. They tested things on Zer, spat Chaos when I asked her about it. They injected Zer with something to trigger immune reactions against this disease you are also paranoid about. Poison! Fractal in motion. A starburst of red radiation like a mental scream hit me. A child! And Zer parent is gone! I've asked the ambassador to look into it, but... She sent me an image of a black void opening under my feet with the wind howling around me. Chaos shook herself a little, quieting the mental images and switching back to her English-Ilya hybrid. It doesn't matter. I will take Zer. We will keep searching for Zer parent. Shameful. Fractal in motion, how can humans be so cruel? I shrugged. I know. I'm sorry. If it's any consolation, a lot of people are dying. They're calling it the crazies since it drives you mad before it kills you. I shivered a little, little remembering Michael. And you die horribly. Maybe they were hoping that the cats have a natural immunity they could simulate or, or something. But a child, Fractal, a child. Ah, uh, it is common in my culture, I said, almost regretfully. Another shrug. Hell, I was tested on as a kid, too. A kaleidoscope of angry colors and scents flooded at me. I, I know, I know, it's not right. I'm just saying it happens, kind of a lot. The child in question wandered back into the room, dragging a blanket Chaos had given it. Z made a beeline for me and trustingly sat in my lap, curling the blanket around both of us on the large sitting cushion before falling asleep. Chaos delicately moved the little sitting table out from Zer's thin legs to avoid spilling the tea and tucked the blanket in around Zer better. Zer's scales flushed rose gold. Z likes you, Z said. Trust you. Perhaps that is enough forgiveness for humans. I made little soothing motions on Speedy's back and felt the little thing relax even more against me. It made me a little bit bemused. I'd never been around children before. It was odd that she, Z liked me so much. How old is Z? Ba, 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 mused Chaos. We think about time a little differently than you. Maybe just before adolescence. What do you call a child that thinks he is an adult, but doesn't know anything yet, and doesn't have an adult's body? All children, I asked wryly. Chaos touched my forehead. I felt Zer sorting through my memories with Zer feather-light mental fingers. Ah, there. An image of me as a girl, maybe ten or twelve, staring at the public school with nervousness. So young, I said, putting my arms more comfortably around Speedy. What will you do if you can't find any of Zer kin? I smelled something sweet like burnt sugar. Well, I will take her, of course. Adoption is much more common with us than you, I think. Chaos ran her fingers down Speedy's brow scales, and we saw them turn a deep bronze where the path of her hand went before returning to a healthy rose gold. I've never had a child before. I'll love her, especially since he was able to help my good friends so much. Chaos trilled at me, and I felt a small blush start. Nonsense, I muttered. I still owe you for putting up the credits to get me Mariah. I wouldn't even be alive without you. Chaos got up to sit next to me on the soft floor, drawing her own cushion next to mine so Z could share the blanket and lean on me. 
Mariah needed a new submersible pump in her forward algal bed, the big one. Somehow, in three weeks, the motor had gone out and ruined the shoes. There was also a blockage in the wastewater recycle tank, which was stinking up the place something fierce. Beautiful chaos had offered Sir quarters to me as long as I had wanted them, but Mariah was home. She needed attention and love just as much as me. Speed in the Deeps was healing well and settling into Cygnus nicely. Z got along well with Chaos and even helped me rebuild some of the equipment on Mariah. For a kid, Z's pretty smart. Speedy seemed convinced that Z should come with me when I left, but Chaos and I both killed that idea. But Fractal in Motion, I am a better pilot than you, a thick human, are. Your brain won't fit the ship. You should take me. Speed in the deeps, you are too young. You need to stay here with me, said Chaos. We need to find your parent, not send you out into nothingness. Be calm. Fractal in motion will be back often, right? Chaos shot me a significant look. I nodded and tried to look trustworthy. Yep, definitely, definitely coming back. As often as I can. Speedy looked moderately devastating. Curling into chaos with her scales, turning an odd bruised purple color. But, and she will say goodbye before she leaves, won't you? Fractal in motion. Yes, I promise I won't leave without saying goodbye. I felt a little catch in my chest. To both of you. Chaos glowed gold purple briefly before settling into her usual rose gold coloring. I felt deeply, profoundly uncomfortable, but it seemed to be the right thing to say. You are welcome to stay here, Fractal, if you want, Chaos offered, almost timidly, as she drew Speedy closer to her, and her, her scales flashed that odd purple color again. You've had only a little time with folded dimensions. You don't have much control yet, even if you have started to see. She sent a complex of images and sensations akin to diving to the bottom of a deep, clear pool, another waft of brown sugar. And I would not mind your company. You would be welcome here. Speedy perked up at that, but I smiled apologetically. N no, my Ilya was still stilted and awkward, so I touched her hand so he could feel my gratitude, love, and homesickness. I missed my ship. And something about being around them made my insides hurt. Z sent a wordless flood of understanding. So I'd escaped to Mariah and told myself it was because I missed the freedom of flying, not because I was afraid of chaos. The soothing rhythm of equipment checks settled me, hunting for leaks, running pressure tests along her lines. I had put these in myself, and the thought of that gave me a little frisson of pleasure. The impeller on the smaller pump was warped, which was odd. That shouldn't have happened. I pulled it out of its casing. Debris or something had damaged the interior, causing cavitation, and then clogged up the line downstream. I sighed. I wasn't really a mechanical person, and problems like this showed it. Maybe someone on the orbital could help me troubleshoot. Or Speedy. Speedy had showed a knack for most of Mariah's internal piloting systems. Life support probably wouldn't be too different. The thought of Speedy also made me uncomfortable, and I felt myself shy away from thinking about either of them too much. Cygnus Orbital Station was a busy, busy place. After the initial intergalactic faux pas of my species, relations had quickly turned beneficial for both, and a thriving trade grew up. Chaos mentioned that every day more and more people from both species came to Cygnus, and that Cygnus Orbital had grown from a tiny backwater station into one of the most beautiful, comfortable, and technologically advanced outposts of either culture. The Cat Embassy itself was a tiny microcosm of the station, open, airy, filled with growing things and the ever-present amber light from the parent sun. The trade quarter wasn't quite as pretty, but it was still more clean and organized than the vast majority of space stations I'd been on, and it was clearly well-planned and relatively safe. A luxury to be able to find easily find merchants and vendors without having to carry your own oxygen supply and worry about getting knifed at the docking ports. People were relaxed and friendly in the open market. The great steel girders arced gracefully overhead, and the domed gorilla glass shone in the sunlight. Curious how easy it was to go back to the status quo. 
Life can heave and throw you from side to side, and as soon as the rocking stops, it's as if it never was. I had walked through dozens of markets just like this, as a lieutenant, as a guild engineer, as a nobody. It was always the same. Cooking smells, the crush of people trying to get to transports or shouting for family or friends over the din, the sharp lights of vendor signs in hideous colors, all to attract attention to things you didn't need, the absent blather of an official announcement over the station PA. Dimly, the melodic rise and fall of a mullah somewhere announced afternoon prayer against the backdrop of a boarding call for a transport. It was all the same, every time. The transport from Earth docked with a sharp thud against Solaris Orbital Station. We had been in stasis for days, and the thud triggered an automatic resuscitation procedure. I could feel the box around me fill with something cold and astringent as my brain started to wake up. Attention, all passengers. Please wake slowly and carefully. We have arrived at your destination. Disinfection and debriding will occur momentarily. Please do not activate your emergency escape button. Stand by for instruction. A whir and a tingling blast of silica hydrogen peroxide flooded over my naked skin. Please keep your eyes closed and your protective garments on, initiating final disinfection. Through the eye mask and my closed lids, a sudden blinding flash of UV. Thank you. This cleaning cycle is complete. Please feel free to dress and vacate the transport at your convenience. Thank you for choosing Interstellar Virgin Transport. Please come again. A small cubby door whisked open. My clean, heat-treated biosuit and uniform were waited, waiting, folded, and pleasantly warm to the touch. I pulled on my uniform, made a little awkward by the tight quarters of the stasis chamber, and hit the exit button, lit green and inviting. A crush of passengers were all moving towards the exit in the narrow corridor. I had to wait several minutes before sliding out of the box and making my way down the little stairs to the aisle. My black uniform and gold rank stood out sharp against the other passengers' civilian clothes, and it earned me attention. I felt people's eyes on me as I slid down and joined the throng. Good attention, bad attention. Somewhere in between attention. I felt it all, and it made me feel awkward. The man in front of me glanced back, made a face, and noisily mentioned to his companion, Damn shame they let women in the service nowadays. Back in my time, it meant something to serve. Since he had to be at least a hundred years old, that was probably back when they shot dogs into space to test life support systems. I smiled to myself and didn't mind too much. Laika was a female dog, so bitches were the first into orbit. So there, I'm just carrying on the tradition. I had just graduated, and I felt new and shiny and filled with nervousness to live up to the best and brightest responsibility the Academy had placed on my head. Insulting an old man probably wouldn't be on the approved solutions list for that end state. I had been assigned as a junior environmental engineer for the Solaris station. I looked out over the docking stations and felt the squeeze of people, the noisy, chaotic flood of individuals moving as a mob. It was more people in one place than I had ever seen. Anxiety, nerves, and sheer overwhelming shock held me still as the waves of people moved around me. I was shoved roughly to the side as a man with an exoskeleton slogged his way through the river, carrying huge bales of cargo to one of the ships. It was incredible. And awful. I glanced at my wrist. The suit read out the local time next to my physiological body clock. I was late for meeting my first commander. I took a steadying breath and tried to get my bearings. What seemed like hours later, after wandering confusing corridors and being shouted at by all kinds of people, I finally stumbled to the engineering section of the station and showed my badge to the corporal working the desk. He squinted at me with a wave and sent me back to a tiny freight elevator with a disinterested, back there. No salute, no interest whatsoever. He went right back to reading his tablet. So this is military discipline in the real world. Whatever, I thought never went in for being saluted anyway. It always felt wrong to be treated special than others just because of the squiggle of gold on my uniform. The elevator dropped me at a large office. The back was open to the sun. Clear gorilla glass, shaded, showed the interior of the space station in panoramic view against the backdrop of the raging sun itself. Licks of flame and black blemishes lit up the room in a symphony of changing light against the shaded portions of the glass. It was spectacular. Breathtaking. Watching the sun, I missed the man standing expectantly in front of me until a loud, 
<clears throat> drew my attention to him. Dimly, I remembered that I was supposed to report or something. I put my bag down and sloppily drew myself up into a salute, trying to remember the formal words. The ritual had all seemed so silly at the academy. I hadn't really practiced. It still felt silly. Second Lieutenant Akasha Singh, reporting for duty, sir. A correct hand salute rendered. I felt vaguely proud of myself for getting that out coherently. The commander raised an eyebrow. The correct phrasing is, Second Lieutenant Singh reports. At ease. You are late, Lieutenant. I would expect better from an academy graduate. I said nothing. Nothing really to say. I noticed that there was a perfectly good chair right in front of me that I was not allowed to use, since he hadn't given me leave to sit. So stupid. I settled into parade rest and waited. The rest of the interview went downhill from that original statement. He didn't introduce himself, didn't ask me any questions, didn't assign me living quarters, just made some half-assed remarks about the responsibility of an environmental engineer. Being in charge of the lives of some 3,000 individuals and how failure would mean instant death or demotion, whichever came first. He then promptly rang for a corporal to come down and take me to the quartermaster. How disappointing. Forty-five minutes later, I was carrying my kit on my back, staring down at the market of the space station on my way to my new barracks. I didn't know where they were. No one showed me. I didn't know where my workstation was, where the mess hall was, or anything about my new home, and no one seemed to care. When I'd asked the quartermaster some of these basic questions, she'd given me a completely apathetic glance and said, You'll figure it out. Not my job to babysit butter bars. So I stood on the service balcony of my first duty station and watched the people, feeling very alone and very small and very, very sad. My first visit to an orbital station. Not much was different all these years later. The mechanical portion of the market was quieter. I knew there was a good vendor from Megator here, and I was pretty sure they could get me a good O&M manual, as well as a new impeller without breaking the bank. I had a little money left, but nowhere what I would need for the full overhaul the Mariah required. That was a problem too overwhelming for me to comp contemplate. I could fix the pump. That would be a start. We would see what happened from there. I stepped into the little shop and froze for a second. The black uniform and gold insignia of a service officer startled me. A completely irrational thought. What if I know him? What if he recognizes me? But the man didn't seem to see me or care, and I remembered I was wearing civilian brown coveralls, not the black and gold of service peacekeepers, or the dark blue and silver of service guild civilians. I wonder if I'll ever get over that, I thought. It's been over a decade, and still even the sight of a uniform terrifies me. Steadfastly ignoring the officer, I asked the lady for the manual and the replacement impeller. Pump problems? the officer asked. I started a little. Be nice. He doesn't know who you are. Yes, I smiled at him. I'm more of a Bugs and Bunnies type, and I'm not sure what made my submersibles cavitate and kill themselves. I showed him the ruin of the old pump. I also could use a reference for an ion drive upgrade if you happen to know of a good vendor with some solid troubleshooting resources. The officer pursed his lips. Yeah, I know a guy. He gave a toothy grin that made me instantly uncomfortable. I know a couple guys, actually, if you want some help. Me and my chief engineer are bored out of our gourds here on Cygnus. We've been looking for something to do. Sounds like you're doing a ship upgrade for long-term space travel. Do you want some help? My spidey sense was tingling, and it must have showed. No, 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 it's okay, I promise. We won't need to get paid. We aren't serial killers. I don't want to get you into bed. It's fine, we're just bored. He held up two fingers and put his left hand on his heart. Promise. Uh, that's really generous, but no thank you. I turned to the lady to pick up my manual and replacement part. No offense, but I don't know you or your friend, and I don't make a practice of picking up strangers and letting them onto my ship. He shrugged. Uh, okay, your loss. And left. I let out a breath, gathered my things, and hurried back to the Mariah, after giving him a long head start, where it was safe. I wanted off the station, but Mariah wasn't ready to fly. I also needed some quick cash and some equipment to get out of there. Every day I could feel someone about to recognize me, someone with a uniform coming to lock me in a box. I wanted space, freedom. 
Chaos found me a gig doing contract work for the engineering department. Evidently, they had some wastewater treatment operations to get done while their main engineer was on leave. I could do that. But it is for the service, Fractal in motion, Z said worldly. Worldly. You do not like the service. It may be dangerous. Perhaps this is not such a good idea after all. I had thought it would be easy because of your skills, but maybe this is not so. Z was upset. One of my patients told me of this and how stressful it was not to have a good engineer available for these problems, but this could be a trap. It has no secret that I have you in my house. There could be second and third order effects that would be damaging. This I did not consider when I told you. I patted her hand gently. Chaos. You do me a great compliment in thinking anyone would notice or be interested in my humble self, but come on. What is the likelihood of the service going to the trouble of going to this amount of trouble over one mentally ill former engineer? I'll be fine. I'll come see you every night at dinner so you know I'm well and we can talk of the events of the day. I hated to admit it, but Z was right. I hated working for the service. But it was good money. Good money. And the work was good. And I needed the money. Water was beautiful. Even shit water, which was what I was looking at. All the water used for any purpose found its way here to the bowels of the station, appropriately enough. Contaminated by waste, radiation, chemicals, dirt. Human and Catalan were dirty, dirty creatures. But the water never complained. The water flowed, predictable and forgiving, into showers, baths, fountains, and hydroponics all day, every day, in an invisible network of pipes routed like a giant circulatory system, with this room as its heart. Deep pumps and filters, routing valves that sent some water to the fish ponds and hydroponics for preliminary nutrient removal, others that routed raw water to the filtration systems of the RO for potable supplies. The heart never slept. Spiral giant tanks with their UV lights, their carbon filters, their ultrafiltration systems that took wastewater and made it into our breakfasts and showers. Vessels that went to grow our food and fuel, all of it came here. It was the stinky, loud heartbeat of survival in the void, and it was beautiful. Unlike a hundred years ago, these wastewater tanks weren't dead things of metal and plastic tubing. A complex of chitinous neuro-infused membrane systems acted as the filtration framework with highly specialized pressure and density-sensitive genetic structures that allowed for different levels of treatment depending on the end-state usage of the water. Maybe it was more like an intestine than a heart sucking nutrients out of the liquid and generating sludge that would eventually head up to the gardens and composting levels. And while that was a much less romantic image, the thought amused me. The majority of the work was simple, monitoring the computer sensor systems for blockages, leaks, overflows, and so forth. But I liked to come up to the tanks themselves and just watch, like I was doing now. The diffuser and oxygenation process was my favorite. It was also the stinkiest. Good thing that prolonged exposure to hydrogen sulfide resulted in a loss of smell. Oh god, that smells terrible. How can you people stand it up here? A loud, disturbingly hearty voice at the bottom of the stair to my tank burst in on my little reverie. It was the officer from the pump store. I felt walls going up in my head and I put on my public face. Never trust a uniform. Smile pretty. No teeth to scare the yet nice young man. Ah, hello, we meet again. How can I help you? I clunked down the winding stair, my boots echoing against the metal railing. Strange place to find a, um... I glanced at the golden vine of insignia that designated his rank and branch. Um, an infantry captain. This is definitely out of your scope, I believe. He laughed good-naturedly. Yeah, well, you know, I have to admit I don't know anything about these... He gave a dismissive wave to the complex of systems around him. It's all smoke and magic to me anyway. I just care that when I flush it goes away, and when I turn on the tap it doesn't look like I just flushed it. I smiled to show that I understood the joke. Ugh, humans are painful to talk to. Has it really been that long since I've been with my own people? I suddenly missed Chaos and Speedy very much. A worthy goal for any environmental engineer. So what's your name, Captain? 
I reached out with a hand before remembering it was covered in slime and probably smelled terrible. His little recoil reminded me, and I took it back, rubbing it absently on my coveralls. Humans are so sensitive. He smiled in relief. Marietta, Nate Marietta, pleased to meet you. He mimed shaking an invisible hand. I nodded. Hey, you seem awfully familiar. Have you been on this station long? I mentally started and took a closer look at him. Brown hair, brown eyes, big, running just a little to fat. Nothing familiar. I shook my head. Oh, I've just a few weeks, actually. I'm hanging around to visit a friend of mine and earn up a little bit for some ship upgrades. He narrowed his eyes at me. I swear, there is something about you. What did you say your name was again? I didn't. Zetta, Captain Marietta. Zetta Smith. Thank God I remembered it this time. Hmm. You look like a dead ringer for an old classmate of mine. Oh? <laughs> Something in me started to get very, very nervous. I had always figured this would happen. For a big galaxy, random acts of awful happened with disturbing regularity. You got a sister by any chance? She would have gone to the service academy around 2114? Stationed at Solaris for her first duty station? I shook my head. Nope, only child. Huh. Could have sworn you two were twins, you know, except for your scars and all. Did you come down here for a reason? Can I help you with something? He dropped his eyes and shrugged. Yeah, I was looking for Lorenz, actually. The guy I was subbing for, I remembered. We have a poker game tonight, and I wanted to see if he was up for losing. A toothy smile. Guy is awful nice. Can't bluff worse shit. Does a lot for my self-confidence to get him in the game. I snorted. I imagine. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. He's on vacation for the next few weeks or so. I'm just filling in until then. He turned. One more penetrating look shot at me, and I tried very hard not to fidget. Tried to keep calm. Right. Yeah, sorry to bother you. I swear, though, you look just like Sing. It's fucking uncanny. At the mention of my old name, I felt a little shot of ice in my gut. Well, I smiled. It's a big universe, bound to have a couple templates running around out there that look alike, right? I tried to make it sound casual, and it seemed like he bought it. Yeah, well, thanks. As he turned to walk out of the facility, I realized my hands were shaking. Shit. Private conversation log between Nate Marietta and Jason Conrad. Cygnus 23.1555-1656. Marietta. I swear, Conrad, it looked just like her. Conrad. Really? Yeah. I haven't thought about her in ages. Remember she had that thing for me? So fucking pathetic. Jesus. Nice enough girl, I guess. I mean... I thought she died a couple years ago. Didn't something come out on the web about that? Conrad. Yeah, maybe you're right. Something about a terraform accident, yeah? She was a nice kid. Wrote a couple papers for me so I could graduate. It's a shame. Marietta. Could have sworn it was her. I thought about asking if she would get naked so I could make a positive ID, but I thought that might be a little rude. Don't want to spend another night with the damn peacekeepers. Fuckers. Conrad. Oh, no reason why I can't wander over there and take a look. I got nothing better to do. Marietta. I thought you were here for some super secret mission. You diplomatic department spooks never look like you do any work. What do you do, exactly? Conrad. We fix infantry guys' fuck-ups, exactly. Marietta. Oh, whatever, man. It looks like you just hang out in bars on the service's dime. Conrad. Good thing you are my boss then, right? Marietta. Fine, fuck you too. Are you in for tonight? At least let me earn back a little of the credit you burned me for last week. Conrad. Done. God, it's a miracle they would keep you around, Nate. You are dumber than shit. Good for my wallet, but damn, son, you are thick. Marietta. Oh, that's what she said. Conrad. Jesus H. Christ. Go climb back under whatever rock you crawled out from under. I'll see you tonight. Mariah got her pumps. She also got her ion drive upgrade. It was enough for me. One more day on the job and I could get off the station. 
Ever since that officer, I'd felt like I was being watched. It was starting to affect my focus. I tried to lose myself in the patterns, tried to see the water running through my fingers the way the movement suggested, flowing, quiet gestures of my hand, leg, arm, paired with the fractal pattern generated by my mind, an illusion of color, shape, sound, melded with the physical control of the dance or the art. Normally, it was beautiful. My own patterns harmonized with folded dimensions and flowered into a kaleidoscope of sensory expression paralleling the shape of the cosmos. Today, however, edged patterns of suspicion, fear, paranoia kept slicing through the replication. Phantasmal generations of disharmony that weren't reflections of the cosmos, but products of my own imagination, my own fear, each one like a knife cutting through the movement and pattern, throwing it off and forcing us to start over. Finally, dimensions stopped. The light and music died away, leaving us in the relative silence of the garden with the murmur of the water and chimes. You are not here today. Z mimed tapping Zer temple and folded Zer fragile arms and stared accusingly at me. I shrugged unhappily. You are afraid of something. What are you afraid of? I showed an image of the officer, of being taken away, of being trapped on a hospital bed with my skin on fire. Dimensions narrowed her Zer eyes. So? Have you not learned anything? This pattern is not real. It is possible, yes, but the more you fear it, the more you dwell on it, the more energy you give it, the more likely it is to live, to integrate into the whole pattern and not just remain in yours. I didn't say anything. Blah, bah, you are being blind and dumb today. Z waves her little hand at me in disgust. Too young to have this gift, too young and too afraid. Humans were not made for such things. It is good you require so much external energy to manifest anything, for your sake and ours, I think. Z grasped my elbow and pulled me down to Zer level. Fear is not real. Fear will warp whatever pattern you build. You recognize it as a delusion, as a tool. You must see it for what it is. All the training in the world will not help. All the motions in the universe mean nothing if you are too afraid. Z let go and eased herself onto Zer favorite rock. We are done for the day, child, and for tomorrow do not come. Meditate on your own. I think you will be leaving us soon. I closed my eyes. Why is everything so difficult? Dimension snorted. You are the one who is making it so fractal in motion. You are the friction here. Do not blame the universe. Go home. We do not need to belabor something so unsuccessful. I sighed. It was my last day in the wastewater plant. Lorenz would be coming back to work tomorrow, and I wanted to leave them a clean, clean slate. The lead operator and I had everything shined up and repaired. We'd even been able to upgrade the SCADA sensors so he could return home to a nice, polished facility. I felt a quiet little bubble of satisfaction as I closed up and prepared to shut down the corollary operations for the night. Well, I'll be damned. The words startled me. He had come in without a sound and was leaning up against the primary sedimentation chamber just a few feet away from me. Civvies, tall, lean, sharp features with a graying widow's peak framing a wide forehead. Pale skin tinted slightly blue-black with continuous space travel. Something about him, the way his chest slumped forward as if his spine was curved wrong. Can I help you? I asked. He was staring at me. Intensity marked his expression, but not a hair or movement was out of place or wasted. You don't remember me? I shrugged. N no, should I? He straightened from the tank and walked closer. I felt... threat. Old training made me change my balance and relax to consciously face him. Seeing this, he smirked. Marietta is a fucking idiot. How you doing, Singh? He stopped a few feet away from me, and I could feel myself trying not to hyperventilate. Been a while, hasn't it? I've been looking for you. You've got the wrong girl. I'm not Sing. I tried to smile, but I felt my shoulders tense and my knees bend. Run. I have to get out of here. You're a liar. Who are you? I asked, trying to edge towards the door without making too much of a fuss. Oh, you don't remember your old friend Conrad? I'm hurt. I'm hurt. He leaned closer, bracing his arm on one side of me against the tank. 
I could see his eyes were gray. It was the last thing I saw as his hand flicked out quick as a snake and shot me full of something. Such a shame, Singh. I always liked you. Washington Post. Tara. Governor Berger Adolph today signed into law an anti-immigration clause in the Central World Constitution. A self-described Christian conservative Terran in that order, the former service member was a prominent conservative in battles over alien equality and colonial equal rights in the last decade. Adolph has consistently supported legislation that would define marriage as between two humans and would prevent the integration of aliens into human colonies. Citing a Terra One University researcher, Adolf said in his recent speech, societal collapse was always brought about following an advent of the deterioration of marriage, family, and physical borders. And now, in this time of insecurity with the threat of disease looming, we must be even more conscious of maintaining those borders, both culturally and physically. Adolf also called the legislation not discrimination against alien and alien-human families, but an enforcement of God's idea. General Sheyu Aido, service sponsor of the bill, applauded Governor Adolph's actions. The governor, the governor has taken a definitive step in the protection of his planet and citizens. We here at the Seoul Sector support his decision and will assist him in its implementation however possible. Zup Havror, reporting.